friendly neighborhood Deadly Diva, aka Shocker Khan, aka Guns and Wing Liner, aka Koli Yoko Ono, aka Misty Knight Rider, aka the Fairy Block Mother, and welcome to another episode of Outlaw Bars, where we talk about everything great and not so great in the world of anime. And as always, I have with me. Hey guys, what's up? This is your friend Shopei. I don't have any cool AKAs, but you know, I appreciate you all the same. Hey everyone, it's Tam. You already know, it me. What's up? Alrighty, so we are all kind of familiar with um, the damsel in distress. You know, she's the female character that's put into some type of danger in order to get the cast going. Her troubles unite the cast, they put aside their differences, and they're working together, you know, to save this helpless, hopeless girl. And she's usually like the premise for whatever overarching quest that they have. You know, she's been kidnapped or captured. She's locked away, she's awaiting rescue, and everybody's afraid for her life and her virtue, because we all know what valuable currency female virtue is. Ooh. <laughs> We've, we've seen it all before, and that's why we're not going to talk about that today. At least not on this episode. What we are going to take a look at are the gentlemen who get by with more than a little help from their friends. Oh yes, it's the guy in distress. These guys are usually sidekicks to a kick-ass female character who we wish got more screen time. Sometimes, but not always, he's a badass in his own right. And then the whole distress thing becomes like a false flag just so you can see him in all his badass glory. And oddly enough, when I was doing a bit of research, this trope has actually been attributed to like 20th century feminism, but actually it dates back to fairy tales, you know, think grim and things of that nature, where there's a man being rescued by a woman. So um, yeah, so it's not us saying, ooh, we want to be in charge. It's more common than anybody seems to realize. And compared to damsels in distress, guys tend to either save themselves or be rescued by another male character. Because God knows if a female character were to rescue this poor, unfortunate man, male fragility would kick in and we'd never hear the end of it. Literally. So I figured we'd spend a little time talking about some of our favorite anime characters. The male ones, of course, who can't quite get their shit together. So who would like to start this week? Um, I'll go for it. Oh, ooh, Ty. Ty, you go. <laughs> you go, Chopin. Okay, because um, Tam is so gracious and good to me. Um, I wanted to go first because I was going to start it off with a, I don't know if it's going to be controversial, but y'all will probably have something to say. It's fine. You'll survive. So I just want you to stay with me. Eden from Attack on Titan. Now, based on what Diva said, I, he's not necessarily like a nigga in distress, you know, specifically, but he was the weak link in his trio. When you think about it, I don't know how he really became like the lead in the team. Like, yes, he saved Mikasa from like getting assaulted and whatnot. That was some real nigga shit. We appreciate it. But to be fair, whenever Mikasa and Levi were not around, it was almost always a wrap for him. And I'm, it, it took me a while to think about it to be like, well, damn, Aaron, like, what the fuck were you really there for? So, yeah, I liked him a lot, but he ended up being saved a lot by Mikasa. 
Mikasa, on the other hand, was like a real ass bitch who had it all together. So I feel like Eden definitely qualifies. Oh, most assuredly, because he was utterly useless until they found out that he had that Titan Changer ability. Right, until right, then, right. until then, he could do nothing without Mikasa. Like, if you remember, like, in the first episode, he's being bullied, and Aaron's trying to fight, and no one's paying him any mind, and then they see Mikasa come around the corner, and they're like, oh, shit, we gotta go. Like, no one was checking for Aaron in that regard. No one believed that he could do it. Him and Armin were kind of on the same level, except Armin knew not to try to fight. Armin was my nigga. I really liked him. He, he was so He cute. was smart because Armin's, Armin knew his lane and he stayed in it. I wish some people would get on his level. Know where you are and just stick with that. Yeah, that's a, that's a hot take and that's a lesson. See what I'm saying? Again, anime always come through with lessons. Um, mine, so, okay, um, it's going to be um, Rokuru from, no, I'm sorry, not Rokuru. Oh, it is Rokuru. Rokuru from Twin Star Exorcist. Um, and this is also kind of kind of weird because he is strong in his own right, but because he is very stubborn, um, and because he, you know, you know, he got PTSD from him kind of inadvertently killing all his friends, but then you find out it's like, yo, it's not your fault. You had to kill them. Like you you had to kill them because they were changed, because homeboy who ends up being um the other main character's brother was on some next level shit and was doing some dark magic and changed everybody. But essentially he is kind of this guy in distress because anytime he gets caught up in some fuck shit, Benio has to come and save the day because she's super powerful. She kind of reminds me of um, Hermione from Harry Potter a little bit because she takes the time to study instead of just being really like she's impulsive in her own way, but she is very calculated She's trained really hard and she knows a lot about everything. Whereas Roku kind of is just like, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I'll fight now because I have to, but he kind of is the weakest link in a lot of ways in the anime. And also another hot take, like to use like Hermione, like Benio is naturally gifted, but she actually spends time to improve her gift and increase her gift. And Rokuru kind of like stumbles into some shit. Like everyone's like, oh, he's like the strongest dude we've ever seen. But he doesn't practice. Like in the first couple of episodes, they're making charms. Like everyone is clowning him. They're like, your talismans are garbage. Um, Are you sure you've done this before? And it's like, how are you supposed to be the chosen one if you don't spend any time like working on what's yours? And he technically only has one move. Actually, okay. Okay, two. He has two because you find out he can do something where he can lift the rocks up and throw them at people. But, <clears throat> excuse me, he only has the one move, which is like his most powerful move. Whereas Benio, she she comes with the, with the yammer. She comes with the gas. She's fully loaded. She's not coming to play with you hoes. And she's always got, she, she is always, actually, a lot of the men, in this anime are guys in distress because they always get cornered and then Benio got to come save the day. It's because they don't plan. They don't think ahead. It's just like, it's like, oh, I just showed up here with like, you know, with the equivalent of like my dick out. Like you didn't have any other plan? No, not really. Like that was it. You were just going to show up. Okay. Thank you for nothing. Okay, so I have one. So if you've ever seen Black Butler, 
And if you haven't, I don't know what's, what's going on in your life. Um, but the basic premise of Black Butler is that um, a young boy by the name of CL Phantom Hive, his family is brutally murdered. His, of course, um, his mother and his father are killed. The house is burned down. Um, he is kidnapped. He ends up being, um, there's some type of ritualistic thing going on using small children. It's not exactly clear the extent of abuse that he endures but as they are about to kill him he makes a deal with the devil or sorry with a demon the demon slaughters everyone saves him and then they he goes on to try to find out who killed his parents to exact revenge told you you need to be watching this (laughs) it's an older series so it's it's complete there's three seasons of it you can skip the middle but you can skip season two thank me later um, but CL Phantom Hive is like the least physically capable character in this series. Mind you, he's about 13 when it starts. He's short. He's thin. He's a petulant child who doesn't do anything on his own. Not even not even putting his own shoes on because he is an Earl. He's nobility. Um, even though he's one of the smartest characters in the series. And he's the most dangerous with regards to his intentions because he will literally kill a group of children and it doesn't feel as bad because he's a child himself. That's but he spends a lot of his time being rescued by his butler, who is the demon that he entered into the contract with, and then later by his teenage fiance, Elizabeth. If, no, but here's the thing. He doesn't realize that he's being rescued or saved by Elizabeth because Victorian standards of femininity and beauty compel her to keep her strength hidden. Her aunt's her aunt has actually gone so far as to tell her your job is to be pretty and to put nice things in your husband's house. Bitch, what? He doesn't need to know that you are pretty much a, like a sword fighting prodigy because her family, what they do is they, they sword fight and they're damn good at it. She's been trained. She's 13. She's been trained since she could walk basically to wield a sword to the point where they're being chased by, what they call bizarre dolls, which are pretty much like wonky ass um, reanimated doll type shits, were on a boat. They were on a fucking boat. No, I and, don't want that. <laughs> and what Lizzie ends up doing is saving CL from them because she has to kind of reveal her strength. Otherwise they both die. And afterwards, like she feels so bad because he's not going to see her as that dainty and that dainty girl that he can protect. So basically, like, she's been smothered by the patriarchy in Victoria, England. Even though, like, she's way stronger than CL will ever be. Because due to his ordeal and whatever, he's very, he was a very weak child from the beginning. He wasn't going to be strong from jump. But his fiance basically kind of cowers and shrinks herself for the sake of his reputation and, um, and she actually acknowledges that that's what she's doing. She's like, I want him to see me as dainty and as as dainty and as pretty and as soft and as feminine. And if he knows that I can do these things, he may not love me. Look at all these reverse lessons, okay? You don't want to be with somebody who's like, who's like, oh, so she can wield a sword. So obviously, like, you know, we can't be together. What a weak bitch, okay? <laughs> it's so true. Like, these who's are the kind of- help you if you get jumped, boo? That's all I'm saying. Like- we all have like different skills, bro. So what if your girlfriend can like, you know, kill a bunch of niggas with a 
a sword. That's sexy. I don't know why that's not sexy to somebody. Somebody who can like kill another person. I don't get it. Men are so dumb. Even the cartoon versions. But but wait a minute. She's putting. Hold on. I'm gonna actually jump in on Sale's behalf. She's putting that on him. Never did he say those things to her. It's her, it's basically her aunt's tutelage that put that on her. Basically, they're in Victorian England, and her aunt doubled down on those things. So, so that's what she believes. CL hasn't said those things. So and fuck actually, her CL. Aunt? Yeah, basically, it's fuck her aunt because CL actually there's he has a a household member. She's a maid, and she looks very clumsy. But this chick is like the most excellent marksman ever. Like she's shooting the wings off of a fly two miles away. That's a really useful skill. I'm sorry. Yeah. I was just like, that would be really useful in life. Yeah. So that's, I'm like, so it's not that he doesn't value female strength. It's Lizzie believes that he doesn't value female strength. None of that changes the fact that CL is actually a physical weakling that needs to be saved. But the other part of this is that his fiance doesn't believe that if he saw her strength, that he'd still love her. That's unfortunate. Okay. Yeah. I take it back. I mean, this, the sentiment that forces her to hide who she is, that's still like kind of raggedy, but it's less fuck him and more, you know, fuck the patriarchy standard. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. So my next, I'm going to jump in with uh, another person. So this character is from Akame Got Kill. Uh, Tatsumi. If you haven't seen it, uh, def watch it. It's on Hulu. I'm pretty sure I suggested it in a couple of episodes back. Uh, the scene, like the very first episode, it literally starts with this kid being saved from a murder house. Like he's in like this, he's like this young kid who goes to the Capitol. His, he was part of a trio, him, his male friend and a female friend. They had already gone to the city before him. He goes to find them so that they can bring money back to their city or whatever. And they, he ends up being um, rescued. Hard quotes. You can't see me, but like rescued um, by like some nobles. And they take him into this home and he's like so thankful. Well, these nobles are just like, you know, run of the mill white slave owners. They are sadists. Apparently they capture young people who come into the city and they torture them. So his friends got tortured. This kid is young and he's dumb and he basically basically ends up being saved by um, like this this team of like vigilantes. The leader of the vigilante group is like this lady. All of the dope fighters on the team are women. Like there's like one dude and he's like this super jacked guy. He looks kind of like a Samoan, but he's gay and he's just like, yeah, I like working out. I got hella muscles, but also I like men. I was like, all right, shout out to you, sir. Um, but all of the women on the team are amazing. Like, you know how anime sometimes likes to do that thing where it's like the cutesy magical girl kind of shit. Yeah. One of the one of the girls, she looks like a bubblegum princess, but like she can like I mean, all of the characters are dangerous, but this particular girl is like a badass. But she looks like a toddler. Like she looks like she's like eleven or twelve. So Tatsumi is like fumbling and he's like trying to like make his way, but like legit He's literally like the like that the, the whole series starts with him being saved by um, this woman who like has like a mechanical arm and like a, a mechanical eye. She's dope as fuck. <clears throat> so he's less annoying than Eden because it's like, I mean, your best friends are dead and whatnot, but he is definitely still useless. Like I've only seen about eight or nine episodes out of like maybe like twenty six, 
he still hasn't been able to do much of anything yet. So it's like, okay, what are you going to, I don't know, get some skills or something, Monica? It's kind of, and, and then, you know, the thing with, and this kind of goes back to themes in anime, a, a, along with him being in distress, but it's kind of like this hero's journey, because, you know, that's like a very big prevailing theme in anime is like, you kind of got, he got to find himself. He has to find his inner strength and believe in himself and all that jazz. Um, and then uh, I, I wanted to, and I'm also going to jump in to a character that we have talked about. Actually, we've talked about both these characters before, and that is Saber and uh, Shiro, is it Shiro? Yeah, Shiro. Yes. Um, from Fate Stay Night, um, because you know your boy just don't know his place and doesn't stay in his lane like he's supposed to and is trying to run in and is always getting his ass whooped. He's forever getting his ass whooped. He's forever not, like, forever near death before Saber can come save him. He is just useless garbage because... He want to be He-Man, save a hoe. And it's like, but she doesn't need to be saved because she's actually a knight and she's pretty badass and she has one of the most powerful weapons. Um, but he is, he was forever in distress in Fate Stay Night. My God. And to add that, he wasn't, he wasn't just saved by Saber. There's like one, ver- there's one season where Rin Tosaka, like to oh, talk yes. about, <clears throat> so like to use the Benio and Rokuru kind of situation, Rin was trained to be a mage since she was a child, right? Like the sword fight, like CL, right? Like like a generational badass, okay? She knows everything about the Holy Grail War. She's actually been studying it. Shiro stumbles in just like a man. He just shows up and is just like, oh, well, I guess I'm here. And she wastes a considerable amount of like the first couple of episodes trying to keep him alive. And then he turns around and he's trying to save Saber like Tam is talking about. And it's like, Saber is literally the king of Camelot. Could you please focus? Like, I need you to get it together. So he like, he wastes wishes. He puts like everyone like in peril and stuff like that. And it's just like, you, why are you so like, so like worthless? Like (laughs) you end up being saved on two sides and somehow somehow you are still like the hero quote unquote the protagonist like for what because he's a man pretty much <laughs> that's what i mean that's really what it boils down to he's a man there's a word in your he's an olodo he doesn't have like anything like he doesn't have any skills like you're just you're just like a waste man you're just here taking up oxygen like see yourself like a whole like a whole idiot okay <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so um, <laughs> no guy in distress list would ever, 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 ever be complete without Tuxedo Mask from Sailor Moon. Okay. <sighs> I know I beat the Sailor Moon horse quite a lot. Um, like I said, it's it was my gateway anime, so a lot of my anime references stem from this series. But when you think about the fact that you have this Magical Girl series, um, starts with a team of five, winds up being like a team of nine. This one man, like the only man that's reoccurring in the entire series, he gets brainwashed and kidnapped and c- catches cases of amnesia more often than any character I've seen in a single series. Like, honestly, at least once a season, he is either brainwashed, kidnapped, or has amnesia. Okay. He just can't win. 
He can't, and, and when he started, he had like some semblance of competence, but really shortly thereafter, he becomes kind of like this running trope of please save me. And considering he's one of the oldest characters on the show, it's kind of sad and kind of funny at the same time. But that's all I'm going to say about Tuxedo Mask because I have waxed poetic about him on many occasions. So there's this really nifty thing in anime that people don't seem to realize or they don't quite understand. And it's that um, anime really, as a, as a medium, as entertainment, for as much flack as we give it, does really, really well with strong female characters. Which is why, even though we've only mentioned about, you know, four or five male characters in this episode, there are a plethora, there are an abundance of male characters that rely on their female sidekicks, love interests, or leads to save their asses. This is something that's been done in anime purposely for at least 40 years. Just keep that in mind when you're watching a show and you feel like complaining that the girl has the bigger sword. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, because I can go on and on about badass women in anime um, because, and that's, that's a good thing. Like, because usually, like you said, like, I think in a lot of other media forms that there's always like this alpha male or like the man is the hero, but anime does a really good job of balancing the masculine and feminine and showing that like, you need women, like you, you all can't do this by yourself. Like you need us here to help you. And we are more than capable because a lot of times the women um, are smaller than the men or even are more like even their appearance is sometimes more childlike but they definitely be out here whipping ass it feels like subversive i mean because anime like you get fan service you get like the tiny waist the enormous like boobies the size of a head but like uh like when we watch seven deadly sins right merlin is literally wearing a dress that's held together with double-sided tape but that's not even a dress that is a glorified robe and some draws. I mean, shout out to her. If I could wear it, I would. But like, in spite of like a very obvious like male gaze, she's brilliant. She is obviously like the dopest one on the team. And if not for her, uh, was it Gail or whatever? Would have ended up being like poisoned by that one scary bitch, you know, who- Vivian. Vivian. So like the, like Tim is saying like to- Women are not wholly discounted in anime. And the fact that we all have like tons of our lady faves is something that makes it enjoyable to be an anime fan. Um, if we could get some more brown ladies, that would be dope. But um, for the time being, just to be able to say, like, we have mages, we have sword fighters, we have marksmen, we have, you know, all these, like, like they have different skill sets that are all valuable and, you know, badass Alrighty, so that's enough for guys in distress if you have any other examples of male characters who frequently need saving you can always tweet them at us tweet them to us at outlaw bars pod on twitter or you can email them to us and the email address is outlawbars at fanbros.com and now we have a brand new segment that we're adding called Notice Me Senpai. This is where we're going to answer questions from you, our listeners. So if you have a question that you'd like us to answer, you can always tweet it or email it to us and we may answer it on the air like we are about to do with these questions right now. 
So our first question comes from a lovely young man by the name of James. James says, hi ladies, what are your all-time favorite anime opening and ending themes that you absolutely can't skip? Mine is the opening for High School of the Dead and the ending for Angel Beats. I think I will start because I think I, of the three of us, I think I pay the most attention to opening and ending themes. True, true, true. (laughs) So for openings, it's actually um, a tie between One Half by an artist by the name of Kawamoto Makoto from the Kyoto arc of Aroni Kenshin and Ready Steady Go, which is by Larkin Ciel, which is one of, which is the opening theme for the 2003 Full Metal Alchemist series. Not Brotherhood, the longer one with the wonky ending. As far as endings go, um, it's this beautiful song called Half Pain by Bana from the series Witch Hunter Robin. Um, For the purposes of this, I am going to include links to these in the show notes. So if you check out the article for the show on fanbros.com, you'll be able to listen to these three songs that I mentioned. Um, right now, I don't have like an all-time favorite because, like you just said, I don't really pay. It's not that I don't pay attention, but sometimes I skip. I skip a lot of opening themes because I'm just like I'm just trying to get to the action fam, especially when the anime gets super lit. Um, but a recent one that I have really enjoyed is the opening theme for Parasite. Um, I don't know who does that, but I enjoy the opening theme because. They start off in English, then they go into Japanese, and then, you know, you have the subtitles because Subnation, you have the subtitles, so they're, like, giving you the the English captions, and then it was just, like, somebody said, fuck it, and then they just stopped translating the song and just started giving it to you in Japanese, but it's also um, kind of like a heavy metal-ish kind of tune, which I, I enjoy. Um, and then I think a closing theme that I have also liked is the closing theme for 91 days, um, that I finished watching maybe like a month ago. So I'm trash because I actually don't have any real favorites. Um, I like the opening scene of like Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood because it's like dark and then they get like, they start doing alchemy shit. Um, also Seraph of the End. Seraph of the End has really fun music and, but it's also like music and then, you know, fighting and stabbing and whatnot. Um, I don't necessarily pay as much attention to ending themes, but now that I was asked the question, I'll probably start paying more attention, but it is very rarely that it strikes me. I think I've said this before, cause like, the only good thing about like anime like songs is like it starts off in Japanese and it's like punch up the sky and then it goes back to <laughs> like, and then it goes back to Japanese like it'll literally just be five words of English and then we're back again I was like okay cool cool so this is nobody all right we're just gonna keep going with this that's fine that's fine does it matter um but yeah diva had diva and like Tam actually have good answers to that my bad friend <laughs> <laughs> No, because sometimes every once in a while you'll get a gem and you're like, oh, wait, this is a bop. Like, hold up. This is this is kind of a bop right here. I think also was the opening theme to um, 91 Days pretty good. 
or something. Actually, that was. Oh, no, no, no. I'm, I'm lying. Um, the opening theme for Cyborg 009 is actually kind of a bop because that's one that I'm in the midst of watching right now. And um, every time I watch, I'm like, oh, I need this. I need this on a Spotify playlist. Like this is. I don't know what you're saying, but this is kind of a bop. So I'm gonna <laughs> add that. I'm gonna add that one too. Okay, I still haven't Sorry. seen it yet, so. I'll be on the lookout. Alrighty. So thanks, James, for that question. So now we have a three-parter from Mr. T. Steph, um, who frequently sends in questions to Fan Bro Show. So hi, Mr. T. Steph, for sending in your first question to us. Um, so I'm going to read all three parts, and then um, you can answer after I read all three. So the first part is, who is your anime um, MCM or WCW? The second part is, what is the wokest anime you recommend? And the third is, what is a problematic anime that you recommend? Okay, I'm going to answer all, like, all three. So, Man, Man Crush Monday. Uh, you can fight me if you feel some kind of way about it, but my Man Crush Monday is Prince Zuko because he's a motherfucking prince, his body is sick, and he's a firebender. Like, I'm trying to holler at him. Like, Holla, 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 for Wilson's. And I have a two-parter because I really like Yoichi from Seraph of the End. He's very, very cute. And it's sexy that, like, he's really good with a bow, but he's, like, kind of nerdy. So those are my MCMs. If I had to choose a woman crush uh, Wednesday, it would be Mume from Cabinary of the Iron Fortress. Um, but I'm operating under the assumption that she's an adult. I don't know how old she actually is. Um, I just like the fact that she keeps knives in her shoes. I think that's like sexy. Dangerous ladies are sexy to me. Um, I guess we can let each person answer each one. But yeah, that's my MCM, my woman crush Wednesday. Um, my MCM, if you do not know by now, I don't know where you've been, but you know it is Saitama the God. <laughs> <laughs> you already know Saitama is my boo forever and a day. He's not my, like, clearly it's not a physical attraction. It's just like, yo, he has, and it's not even swag. Because if we're going to talk about swag, um, I'll just refer to Bay from yesterday. If you watched, um, or not yesterday, was it yesterday? Or whenever we did our Outlaw Views of Seven Deadly Sins. Are we talking about Vaughn? Yeah, Bond in his tight up pants because he is brooding Bay, angry Bay. But I feel like I also feel like he's a Scorpio because he I don't know what happened in the forest with him and Elaine, but he is on some ride or die. He really want her back. He's very emotionally invested. And I just I enjoy I enjoy Bond. Um, and then my third one is Alucard, uh, a.k.a. Dracula from Helsing. Um that, I mean, that one is, you know, if you're into dark anime, you've probably watched it, but he's just, woo, swaggy daddy. And I like vampires. Like, I'm into the whole vampire thing. Um, but this is like, so let me just be clear. Like, I have loved vampires since middle school. Like, I re- read a lot of vampire fiction. The one with the whiny little girl, and, and Bella and Ed, them, them motherfuckers don't count. They can go to hell. But, yeah, that shit, <laughs> that shit doesn't count, but... I love Alucard, so the fact that they did a play on Dracula backwards and he's just out here, he can't die, he got the the ill hat, and he's just real nasty with it, that's Bay also. And then in, as far as women, 
Um, the one that I can think of right now is Merlin because as Shopee mentioned, she is a badass That's and nice. she out here and next to nothing, just being bad as she want to be. And my favorite part in the OVA yesterday was when she went to work and she was like, oh, you got, you want me to sing and dance? And she was like, oh, I quit. And she just dipped <laughs> out. <laughs> effective immediately like i literally i hollered okay when i tell you i hollered she was like oh you y'all got me fucked up i'm out this bitch (laughs) okay because if i could walk out a job anytime they told me to do some fuck shit yes so (laughs) those are my choices oh my gosh merlin goals goals like fuck yes all right so um um let's see um my mcm's I really gonna tell my age, but um, I'm gonna pick two from Ruroni Kenshin, and that is Shinomori Aoshi and Hiko Sejiro. Now Aoshi, he kind of does the heel turn, makes his way back, but he's like six feet tall, fights with twin swords, has like these like aqua blue eyes, doesn't say much, and just kicks ass. And Hiko Sejiro is the swordsman who trained Kenshin. Like he's tall, like he doesn't fit the Japanese, um, the Japanese like physical stereotype because he has like a lot of muscles because Hita Mitsurugiryu requires a lot of physical strength. So he's very muscular, but he has like this awesome mantle that he wears and like he, his walk is very purposeful. So like every step, you know that there's intention behind it. And when he draws his sword, you know that he's about to fuck shit up. So that's why I love him. And he's a smart ass who drinks. So that's why I love him. And on the other end, you have um, Suichi Minamono. Yeah, Minamono um, slash Yoko Kurama. Basically the same person from Yu Yu Hakusho. So Kurama is a fox demon who was a thief. He was mortally wounded and jumped into the body of a newborn baby to save himself. Suichi. Suichi is really smart, really gentle, has like this flowing bright red hair and can decapitate you with a rose whip oh it's lit if i could like quantify or properly explain why i love him so much i would but i can't just watch yu yu Hakusho, like watch the dark tournament arc and just see him work and you will understand i like that term see him work Mm. (laughs) (laughs) there was some subtext in that one which one who's the one with the heavy walk is that uh hiko sejiro from kenshin yeah Y'all can't see me, but like we know what that means. Someone hey. with a purposeful <laughs> walk, okay? Like it's fine. You you know a person who walks purposefully. You know why they walk that way. So Diva, I see you, okay? You see I, nothing. I recognize. You see, nothing, you see nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, okay. Jesus is not involved in what we're talking about right now. But I mean, I see what you see is what I'm saying. <laughs> Yes. Okay. <laughs> what was our next question about woke um, anime? What is the wokest anime you recommend? Oh, okay. Well, so here's the thing, right? I don't even know if there's such a thing. And I don't even know if any of the anime like that I watch even qualifies. The closest to woke, it's not even woke. I would say probably Attack on Titan. And that's only because there's no fan service. There's a strong female character and no brown characters with dreads and a gold chain who steal <laughs> <laughs> like, that's about as close as oh, like 
That was the closest I could get. Like, I feel like I can suggest Attack on Titan with no quantum, like, you know, with no kind of like clarification or, you know, anything like that. I can just tell someone to watch it and not feel any kind of way about it. So that's, that's all I have. Yeah, I almost think like woke is a loaded term. True. Because I don't know if you can, if you can attach the adjective woke to anime considering like the origins of the term like i don't even know like if those two if like the label's just going to keep slipping off yeah that's that's really hard like um in terms of i'm i'm trying to think like i can think of one that's probably least problematic um and that's a stretch and this is a stretch um is probably gangsta just because of the use of someone with a disability um, there's sex workers in it, but they're not really demonized. Um, and I, I just thought it was an overall good show and I, there wasn't a lot of fan service in it too. So that's probably the one that I could feel comfortable like, hey, you could watch this and not really be offended. And also the deaf guy is a brown person. So that's cool. Um, and he wasn't a guy in distress. He was super powerful. He managed on his own kind of thing. So that's kind of the only one that I can think of but there's always good like anytime you watch anime you're gonna find something that makes you go hmm at least I've never seen any anime that didn't make me go hmm in terms of some of the stuff that they have in it I just at this point in the fan I can't get upset over everything because then I won't watch anything and that includes regular tv too yeah so jumping from the wokest anime What's a problematic anime you recommend? And let me just say this. All of our faves are problematic. True. Um, Sailor Moon is problematic as fuck. Because as I mentioned, when we start Sailor Moon, Usagi is 13. Her boyfriend type person is like 18, 19. That is problematic as fuck. Okay, yeah. So that's what I said. I was like, problematic, uh, all of them? <laughs> um Probably like the most problematic would be Seven Deadly Sins. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Okay, well then scratch that. I won't talk about it any further. (laughs) No, say it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Seven Deadly Sins and Magi. Like Magi is one of my faves. I love it so much. But like all of the ogling women, like I didn't really remember it until we watched, you know, until we did like, you know, we watched it as a family yesterday. Meliodas, like Brett. You can't be touching ladies' titties without asking. Like you what can't, was it? Like, the titties, like I just finished what was it? I was rewatching today. Like he smooth stuck his entire head up her skirt. He was like, he's like, I just need a hug. That's not how you ask for a hug, my friend. Like he's still in panties and he thinks I don't know. And the thing is, at least the characters in the show acknowledge that, dude, this is not cool. This is not right. But he doesn't. But I think it's the stop. fact that Meliodas is like the most powerful of them all. That all they do is like, dude, you know what's not right because they can't whoop his ass. I mean, does right. someone need to whoop your ass for you to act right? It's like, look, apparently, like yeah. I like I get it. He's like very like someone who's willing to put their face in it. Mm. You know, shout out to you. But also like like just get consent. Like Elizabeth, all she has to just she has to be like, yeah, cool, that's cool, you could do that. But like it was, it felt uncomfortable. Like. Like, if this was a workplace, he would be in sexual harassment classes, like, all the time. He would not he have, a, have job. a job. I was going to say, he wouldn't have a job. I mean, he, he couldn't keep a job. And I think what makes it, what makes the fan service, I'm like, you know, I don't even know if we can call it fan service because who's actually entertained by that? Like, fan service implies that 
like somebody's getting there. Okay, there's probably somebody getting their jobs off of it. Yeah, but the fact that like Elizabeth looks so uncomfortable from the first time that he does it to the 151st time that he does it, she's always extremely uncomfortable. She's blushing. She's like, um, can you please? And this is probably another reason why she gets on my nerves. Because literally, like, you are a foot taller than him. Like, just push his ass away. <laughs> like, take a step back. I'm like, be like, can you not? Because as much as Meliodas throws the peen at her, like, she's not catching it because you're groping her all the time. You'd have a better rate of success if you'd be like, hey, would you like some peen? And maybe I can rub your boobies later. Just like check yes or no. But like when you talk about like who is um, interested in that, I think there is a swatch of like, there's like a swath of the population who has a really hard time reading discomfort in women. So it's the same kind of way where it's like women will be like walking on the street and people will shout things at them like, hey, you uh, light skin, hey, you with the ass or something like that. And when women talk about how it makes them uncomfortable, men are like, I don't get it. I don't understand. And it's like to other people, it's like, it's so obvious. This person's body language is hunched over. It's like aggressive or, you know, or it's tense. Um, So like we're watching Elizabeth be like freaked out. But I guarantee you there's some guy that's like, yeah, she's totally into him. And it's just like, are we watching the same thing, fam? Like, are we seeing like the same scene? And I'm like, no, but I think what also like, as to the confusion, at least for those types of viewers, is that despite the fact that Meliodas is, is way too grabby and doesn't respect boundaries and doesn't know what the word consent means, Elizabeth, over the course of the series, comes to care for and love this character in a romantic sense. So it kind of feeds like this false narrative to these to these particular type of people where if I persist in my douchebaggery enough... She will fall into my lap. Alrighty, so that is all that we have for Notice Me Senpai. Um, as I mentioned, if you have any questions that you'd like us to answer, they can be anime related. They can be non-anime related. You know, if you have life questions, we have we have gems for you. <laughs> <laughs> so they don't have to be anime questions. Like I said, um, you can tweet them to us out at law at Outlaw Bars Pod. You can also email them to us, um, and the email address is outlawbars at fanbros.com. So now it is time for a little thing we call anime news. (laughs) Alrighty, so the biggest news in the anime world right now is that Hayao Miyazaki is coming out of retirement a la Jay-Z. Oh, bitch. Yeah. So apparently after the success of the Oscar-nominated Red Turtle that he did in conjunction with the French anime company, Miyazaki was inspired to get back into the game. So, you know, we all know back in 2013, he was like, I'm out of this. This time for real. I'm not coming back. I'm not coming back. But his longtime producer pretty much said, you know, he's coming out of retirement for another full-length film. There is nothing official on it. Just know that your boy is back to work. Oh my god, I'm so excited. I can't I'm like honestly I can't wait to see what he does because everything he does is really great even if it's not my particular jam all the time. And lastly, this is something amaze balls if you live in Houston. So, Fathom Events, Eleven Arts and Aniplex 
are excited to bring the mega hit light novel TV anime series, Sword Art Online, to cinemas for a special one night movie event. We don't on need Thursday. it. Jesus. Hush. I'm sorry. <laughs> Jesus. Hush. Let this shit we die. Try- I'm sorry. We are trying to get. We are trying to give stuff away. I'm sorry. <laughs> we are trying to give stuff away. I have to be vocal about Sword Art Online because it should have died with season one. No, no, no. We are giving stuff away. So smiles and sunshine, damn it. Smiles and sunshine. (laughs) So, (laughs) as I was saying, the one night movie event on Thursday, March 9th. Now, we here at Outlaw Bars have some tickets if you are in the Houston area where this event will be taking place. So it's really easy to enter. All you need to do is one, follow Outlaw Bars Pod on Twitter. And then two, tweet us with your favorite characters from Sword Out Online, doesn't matter what season, using the hashtag Outlaws with a Z SAO. I will say it again. The hashtag is Outlaws with a Z SAO for the chance to win a ticket to see Sword Art Online the movie Ordinal Scale in Houston. I'm sorry for the rest of you guys in the US. Right now this is a Houston only event. If you win and you do not live in the Houston area, we are not providing transportation. You are on, Now if you want to drive to Houston to go see it, if you want to fly out there, catch a bus, that's great, but this is for our listeners in the Houston area. You also see this on our timeline to for us to remind you. And we need you to enter to get your tweets in by March 8th at 12 noon. That way we have the chance to pick the 10 winners and get you your tickets. What time zone? Because that's important. Oh, sorry. 12 noon Eastern time. Because, you know, people okay. be 12 noon Pacific and be like, but I got it in. So I just want to no. clarify. Thank you very much. 12 noon Eastern time on March the 8th. Okay. That way we can get you your ticket codes for Sword Art Online, the movie Ordinal Scale in the Houston area. Once again, I repeat, this is a giveaway for the Houston area only. So now comes the favoritest, bestest, most awesomest segment of the show, The Couples Corner where our recommendation capo Chopay will let us know what we should be watching. Hey guys, what's up? It's your girl Chopay. Um, so I'm super excited to bring this to you guys. This is an anime movie. Um, I think, like, I think that Dap told me about this movie. Dap, if it wasn't you, well, guess what? I'm telling everybody that it was you. Um, it's called Wolf Children. It is directed by Mamuro Hosada. And it was, it's like from 2012. So as far as like anime movies go, it's not brand new, but it is not old. Why do I love this anime movie? So remember when we talked about Princess Mononoke, about how it was like really beautifully uh, directed and the animation was gorgeous. Um, This movie, Wolf Children, gives me the same kind of vibe. It is not um, a super technical it's not super technically animated. Um, if you've seen Spirited Away, if you've seen Howl's Moving Castle, it's not that kind of animation. It is more simple. But the thing that I really appreciated is the use of music. Uh, who was it earlier? Who asked us about music in anime? Um, 
That was James. James. Okay, so I don't necessarily pay attention to music opening and ending, but how music is actually used in a movie, I love. And this movie, let's start with the premise. There is a young woman, her name is Hannah, and you start the movie, she's like a college student, she's going to class every day, and you notice like one of her classmates, some guy, this like tall, kind of like slim dude, who's always in class, but like, Bray, you don't have any books. Uh, you're just in there uh, basically skulking around. So because Hana is at her core a nosy bitch, she is like watching him. She's following him around. And you come to find out that like, he's like, oh, I can't afford books. And she's like, all right, well, I got you. Like we can share, blah, blah, blah. Plot twist. He's a werewolf, y'all. Okay. Like he is part of, he's like the last of a clan of like half wolves, half people. And the way his body is shaped, you could, he has like a kind of animal look to him. Like he's very tall and thin. He has, has um, the pattern of his hair kind of looks like a, a gray and white wolf. Very cute. So they fall in love and, you know, she's really like into him. She's like helping him with school and stuff. And he's like, look, I can't be with you anymore. Um, and she's like, why? I like really like you. I think you're great. He's like, okay, so LOL, I'm part, I'm, I'm half wolf. And the thing that I really appreciated, like, she doesn't even question it. She's like, oh, so you're part wolf? That's cool. And that's it. It's not like, what the fuck are you talking about? It's none of that kind of shit. The, the way she handled it, it's like he could have said, I'm actually an engineer or I'm a pilot or anything like that. Like, she's like, oh, you're part of a wolf clan? That's dope. Um, so they get together it is very beautifully, um, like, the use of music. Like, there's several scenes where you were just watching them interact and there's music playing. So they get married. Um, she, like, you can tell how in love they are with each other. They get married. They have a, a little kid. They end up with, like, a little wolf baby or, a, like, I guess, like, a quarter wolf baby or whatever. So they have a girl. Her name is um, Yuki. And then she, the, the wife gets pregnant a second time and they have a little boy. Well, there always has to be some sort of tragedy. At this point, the dad dies. Uh, it's not really a spoiler. So the true premise of the movie from that point on is this young single mom dealing with raising two children on her own who are half wolves. And like the, the whole thing is like she, she didn't ask her husband enough questions. How were you as a young child? How do you raise wolf kids? Um, is this normal? Like, how do you train a kid? Because her kids can like turn into wolves like at any time. So she's like always worried that they're going to be found out and this, that, and the third. And the awesome thing is as the kids grow, they each take different paths and it doesn't end the way you expect. Um, very well done. Very, very, very beautiful. Like it doesn't have the kind of high drama that like maybe Princess Mononoke had where you're like heart is beating all fast and shit, but it is incredibly enjoyable and I like had a great time. Now, if you know where to see anime movies on the internet, that's where you find this one. I'm not actually going to suggest it to you because, uh, you know, whatever. Um, but if you holler at the kid, I'm sure I could point you in the right direction. Um, but Wolf Children, very good. Like, you know how sometimes anime will like make you cry all the time or like stress you the fuck out? That's not this. It's just like a really gorgeous, um, 
movie that I think you guys would enjoy. And if you do enjoy it, please let me know. And if you don't, go away. Really? I didn't tell them to, you know, think of all the things I could have said. You know what? Any improvement is an improvement. Okay, I'll let you rock. You're welcome. Alrighty, well, we've done it. This is now the end of this lovely episode of Outlaw Bars. Um, as always, we want to thank everyone who rocks with us for Outlaw Views. We had a good old time yesterday <laughs> with Meliodas and his titty grabbing and Bon with his low-slung leather pants. But thank you guys for for watching along with us. And if you have any suggestions for an upcoming session of Outlaw Views, be sure to um, hit us up on Twitter using the hashtag Outlaw Views. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, if you want to send us gifts, um, tributes are awesome. The goddesses do appreciate them. Um, you, can, <laughs> you can hit us up on Twitter or um, in the email and the address. As always, it's outlawbars at fanbros.com. If you want to chat with me, you can find me on Twitter at Deadly Diva. And ladies, let the lovely people know where they can find you. You peeps, um, you can find me on the Twitter at S-I-M-P-O-Y-S-O-P-E. Um, I'm always down to hear about new shit. So please, like, let me know. Or if you're like, hey, Chopin, I really love that anime that you suggested. Like, that really makes me happy when you guys, like, enjoy the stuff that I suggest. So don't stop doing that. So I know, like, to keep up this shit. Hey, guys, you can find me on Twitter at Bruja Bantan. Alrighty. Well, thank you for joining us for Outlaw View. Outlaw Bars. Wow. Well, thank you for joining us for Outlaw Views, too. And we will see you next time. Ciao. Bye. Check this out, girl.